0: everyone, this is Will and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. Timor-Leste marked the 20th anniversary of its independence lately, while the Southeast Asian nation of 1.3 million people has established a viable democracy and its economy remained reliant on oil and natural gas revenues. Now, if you follow our show, that you know we have been addressing the political and economic changes among the nations in Southeast Asia. However, Timor-Leste is one of the critical nations that often being overlooked, not intentionally, but because of any other reasons. And we are going to find out why today. But meanwhile, back in 2002, China was one of the few countries officially acknowledged the establishment of the country. And since then, under the Belt and Road Initiative, the two countries grew much closer than ever. Now join our show today. It's our distinguished guest. It's Randy moyato Now Randy cu- currently covers Indonesia and Timor Leste for media outlets in the Asia Pacific region and beyond. Randy was a Taiwan correspondent, following the latest development out of mainland China and Hong Kong. And Randy has interviewed the Timorese foreign minister on deals ties with Beijing, met Chinese economic migrants. In the region, I reported on timor 2022 presidential election, profiled Timorese youth born after 1999 referendum, and more. Now, without further ado, Rendi, welcome to the Missing Piece. Now, Rendi, let's Please. get to um, our first question. Again, you were the reporter that covered 2022 presidential election in Timor Leste can you tell us what mm-hmm. kind of political system and also economics structure is currently running in this country
1: Thanks so much will for having me it's an honor to be on this show Um well Timor Leste actually has a semi-presidential system meaning that it has a president as the head of state and the prime minister as the head of the government and this year's election well there were two rounds right the one in march and the one in april with the current president Ramón, sort of now, basically uh, winning the second round uh, of the election um so with regards to that well it is very interesting indeed because Timo, because timor leste just basically went through the fifth election you know it's a young democracy in Southeast Asia, mm. it's even Asia's newest state, and yeah, politically and socially, it's a very interesting time indeed to pay attention to what this country has to uh, develop and undergo, basically, in itself.
0: But, you know, Randy, it's so interesting, again, um, as a formal international journalist, I, I also travel extensively to a lot more countries in Southeast Asia. But again, as I something mentioned in the intro, Timor-Leste, it's one of the critical countries in Southeast Asia, but why this country, it's often being overlooked by other regions. So in other words, this country cannot or should not be underestimated politically or also economically. But how often, I mean, how come that we have not heard or seen anything from the media perspective regarding this country's political or social changes?
1: Right, so I think I can talk about the uh, Southeast Asian context because I'm actually based in Indonesia, but since I live near Timor-Leste, so I think it makes more sense to cover Timor-Leste as well because of uh, several reasons, basically. Um, One of them is because of the historical past, you know, um, Timor-Leste was known as East Timor or Timor-Timor in Indonesian. Basically, it was the it was an indonesian province well the indonesian government would say it was the 27th province but it was basically invaded and annexed in the mid-1970s so that's one of the reasons why i've been covering timor leste for a while and the second one is basically how interesting it is you know basically to witness how such a young democracy how a new state is basically uh building and rebuilding Mm. itself. But I think to answer your question well, in terms of the media coverage, I have to say that it's not as widely covered as much as Indonesia, because, you know, I mean, Indonesia, Southeast Asia's largest economy, obviously Mm. many eyes are on the country, you know, basically those in East Asia and basically the, the Western world, because obviously it has a very interesting dynamic going on in Indonesia. But again, in terms of Timor-Leste, I should say that it's, since it's much smaller, obviously not, it doesn't attract as much attention as, say, Indonesia or other neighboring countries. But I think it's 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 definitely worth covering because you know again, it's it successfully held its fifth election uh, this year, and obviously many other things that I think we can discuss further uh, later on.
0: Mm. Randy, I want to refer to something that another article that also I find out. And again, regarding this recent election in Timo uh, leste And within the article, the current president says that, a uh, quote, we, I mean, as, as the nation, do not have extremist politics or extremist ideologies, left or right. We do not have ethic, religious conflict, and end quote. So, from your perspective, again, as a sitting president, that to proclaim such bold and confident statement, what does that mean? So, in other words, how should we understand that this country does not have extreme politics or extreme ideologies? How does that even work today under today's globalization?
1: Right. Right. I think I think we have to we have to remember that again, Timor-Leste is a young nation. It's It's basically just celebrated two decades of independence restoration, you know, after the bloody occupation, basically, and the Portuguese colonization. So, again, we have to remember that um, this country has basically gone through a lot, you know, Mm. basically the the Portuguese domination and then the Indonesian occupation. And then it suddenly has emerged into a young nation, you know, that's basically part of its identity, that is being being Timorese. So, basically, um, the sense is that. The Timorese citizens, many of them are proud of their freedom, you know, are proud of their sovereignty, Mm. you know, they're proud of being who they are, being Timorese, you know, basically living, basically being able to uh, set their own directions forward. I think it's a very interesting time for for the country, indeed.
0: Mm. Randy, I want to get to the next question related to one of the largest economies in the world today, which is China. Again, as I mentioned in the intro, back in 2002, China was one of the few countries officially acknowledge and recognize the full establishment of the country of Timor-Leste. So which means that signifies the beginning or initiative of the relationship between the two countries. And also, Previous president and also the current sitting president both expressed the strong desire to support China under this Belt and Road Initiative. Now, the question to routing to you, Randy, is how does that benefit the country itself and why such a country, only with 1.3 million people, would like to be activated? In the China region, I mean, what, what will be the end of the result? So, in other words, what will be the long-term benefits for the people and the government in timor state
1: Right, right. Well, honestly, you know, I'm not a Timorese person, so obviously the Timorese people might have anything else to add. But I think the way I see it is that it's a young country. You know, it basically went through, again, a bloody occupation, you know, basically it went through a scorched of policy, you know, the Indonesians basically destroyed much of the infrastructure, much of the uh, territory after they lost the 1999 UN referendum, so meaning that they no longer had the sovereign rights to control the territory, so they were obviously ashamed of it, and well, the territory were, was basically made into ruins, I mean, not every... Single in the territory, but obviously went through heavy destruction. You know, so as a young country, you know, logically speaking, you know, I think it's very, very rational if you want to engage with as many countries as possible. And obviously, China is one of them. You know, if you travel to the capital, Delhi, you could see basically it has a huge embassy compound there. You know, it has a huge, uh, significant interest there. You know, basically. Um, tens of uh, Chinese companies have, have invested there, have have developed their infrastructure there. You know, so it's it's basically one of the countries that, that China wants to engage more. Basically, you know, being a young state, you know, basically it wants to again it wants to collaborate with, with, with Timor-Leste. Mm. So I remember I actually did a story back in um, August 2019. You know, um, to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the UN-sponsored referendum. When it, when it decided to become an independent state, when right? it voted to become a, a sovereign nation. So I remember I, I interviewed an expert who basically said, well, well, for China, obviously, Timor-Leste was, was an important bat, battleground, playground in itself, because, you know, well, Taiwan has, has a, a huge significant interest in Timor-Leste as well, because it's a young country, and obviously these two governments just want to fight for for influence there so that was one of the uh uh analysts that i interviewed basically said about mm. so yeah for for timor leste obviously china is an important partner but again it's not the only country that is helping the country to develop mm. well i have to i have to accentuate on that because again you know sometimes it's it's very tempting to complete that china is its largest trading partner, you know, it's the largest um, country partner to develop its own infrastructure and in other sectors of the country. But again, we have to remember that less leste well, it engages with as many countries as possible. You know, Indonesia has a huge presence there. You know indonesia exports a lot of goods to the country you know it has a lot of, of soes there operating in timor leste australia the united states also have their own aid programs there so i think it's 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 quite honestly it's it's not really accurate to say that china is the only trading partner but it's an important partner and especially if you refer to uh the current president in the u.s basically delivering his inauguration speech saying that, well, the country wants to engage with many countries,
0: you know, China, Southeast Asia, Australia, and many others. Mm. Randy, you know, again, um, as an international news reporter, I'm sure that you also follow that not too long ago, the leaders from ASEAN, I mean, which constitutes mainly the countries in Southeast Asia, were invited to the White House For the first time, they met up with the sitting US President Joe Biden. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. on one hand, that signified this ASEAN and US relationship. So in other words, from the US perspective, they're trying to uh, consolidate this economic and political power. But on the other hand, I guess that sent a strong signal to China as well. But meanwhile, based on the latest report, in the process, Timor-Leste is also applying and hoping to become the member of ASEAN as well. I mean, look at at the map. Geographically speaking, this is such a big deal if Timor-Leste eventually gets admitted into ASEAN. Now, from your perspective, why is it so crucial to be admitted into ASEAN for Timor-Leste? Is it just because the economic growing in China, or is it because this ongoing competition, political or economic competition between China and the U.S.? Right.
1: I could be wrong, but... You know, for Timor Leste again, it's it's a young country, you know, it wants to engage itself with the international community more. So it basically is open to any possible regional integration. And obviously, you know, Timor Leste being part of Southeast Asian countries, it definitely wants to be a part of the Southeast Asian community, mm. that the Southeast Asian group which is ASEAN so you know pragmatically speaking well for Timor-Leste obviously it's it's very important for them to be part of ASEAN right because you know uh, better access to the Southeast Asian market you know basically uh, stronger um, bilateral ties with the Southeast Asian countries you know with the ASEAN members obviously I think it's it's about again it's about Timor-Leste's interests but I think it's it's quite difficult for Timor-Leste because again it's in the process of they admitted to the grouping right it's not yet the 11th full member of the of the bloc so again it has still has so many things to do you know it has established its embassy in 10 Southeast Asian capitals you know it has basically tried to fulfill every requirement you know it wants to engage itself with with, with the region again. And what's very interesting is that I remember basically uh, the uh, the then president-elect, you know, Jose Ramos Horta, basically saying that um, he he basically aims his country to be part of the group by next year, by 2023. Mm. So obviously, well, for for him, for Ramos Horta, and basically for the many people in Timor-Leste, well, it's still one of their uh, hopes to be part of ASEAN. It's basically one of their foreign policy goals. Because again, as a young country, you know, you have to basically, you know, explore yourself. You know, basically further your economic integration. And I think basically the reason why it wants to join ASEAN is because it wants to realize its own, um, basically, you know, dreams and interests. And I don't think it's definitely uh, related to the uh, current uh, ongoing U.S.-China.
0: Well, but Randy, in reality, let's be more realistic, that even though a country only with 1.3 million people, but again, in order to become part of the ASEAN, you have to really show what you were able to contribute to this organization. Yep. So, I mean, you, you keep on mentioning, this is my following question, but we can get to this later on, but you keep on sure, saying sure. this is a new country. So, for such a young country, or for such a, a, a young a nation, what what will Timor-Leste contribute to ASEAN in the long run if this country were to be admitted into ASEAN?
1: Right, right. Well, honestly, that's 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 a good question because economically speaking, well, its its GDP is lower than most of the uh, Southeast Asian countries even it will be difficult right for timor leste to basically catch up with with other countries mm. uh, you know in terms of the gdp in terms of the economic size so i think economic wise timor leste still has a lot of things to do to catch mm. up on but in terms of what it can contribute i think it's basically it's values you know it's democratic values you know it has basically successfully held its elections, you know, despite its young democracy, despite its violent past, you know, and I remember basically the country, I remember so, so during the UN General Assembly, uh, the Timorese representatives abstained from the, um, you know, basically from the poll on Myanmar, but again, the country somehow retracted its position, you know, basically it was, it was I, I must not say it's quite shameful. It was shameful, but I think it was it was some sort of, you know, they uh you know basically backtracked on on the abstain vote. So I think in terms of what Timor Leste can contribute. Again, I'm not a Timorese. I'm sure that the Timorese people will definitely have a stronger mm. uh say in this. And definitely they know their country better. But I think it's again, they could basically Positioned themselves as a democratic nation, you know, as a politically stable nation, you know its people are keen to engage with the region more. You know its government is keen to work with the uh, these Southeast Asian countries more, with the bloc more. So I think basically those are the things that I'm sure timor they will be happy to contribute to once it's admitted as uh, a full member.
0: Now, um, Randy, I want to get to the next portion of the conversation regarding the younger generations in Timor-Leste. And we know okay. across the continents, younger generations today, if we look at around the, uh, the world and also okay. along with the ongoing political and social changes, young people today, they are trying really hard to push the political and social and cultural agenda. Now, yeah. going back to what you say about Timor-Leste, again, you keep on saying that this is such a young democracy, this is such a young country, but to me, how should we understand the role of younger generation today in Timor-Leste. So in other words, in order to push or to maintain this political and social stability, how significant for younger generations in Timor-Leste to continue to play an active role? That's the first question. And the second question is, what motivated the younger generations in Timor-Leste to participate such critical event, such as the presidential election?
1: Right. Well, well, for for the younger Timoris, I mean, we have to we have to be aware of the existing um, generation gap. So, the seniors, you know, basically, once grandparents grew up in the Portuguese era, so obviously they were educated in the Portuguese system. You know, they spoke Portuguese. You know, basically, they saw themselves as part of the empire. You know, mm. basically as, as Portuguese subjects. And then fast forward a few de- decades later, you know. Basically, one's parents. Timor's parents. Timor's parents well parents uh, were. They they grew up under the Indonesian rule, so they were technically Indonesian citizens. You know, basically, they. Some of them might say they were oppressed. You know, some of them might say that they were trying to become an independent entity. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, they would say that. They they experienced a lot of things under the Indonesian rule, but again, obviously they were educated in the Indonesian system. But moving to the 21st century, you know, they they became an independent country, you know, free from the international help, you know, technically free from the UN administration. They are basically able to run their own country by themselves, by the Timorese and i think it's basically the fact that you know basically the Timorese who are now in their 20s and especially who were born after the 1999 referendum you know they see themselves as Timorese, and they believe that they actually hold the key to their country's future and i think obviously with that belief with that confidence you know they will basically do whatever they can to basically you know help their country prosper i think that's basically the impression that i got from from the time I did this Al Jazeera story on, you know, four youths who basically, you know, uh, wanted and still want to basically help their country progress in their own ways, you know, basically introducing Timor-Leste to the Indonesian people and you know, introducing Timor-Leste to the Portuguese speaking communities, for example, you know, those who want to make sure that uh, fellow timor citizens know their laws more So, obviously, with that confidence, I think it's very important that we have to note that many Timorese they do have the confidence, obviously, they do have the will, they do have the, uh, basically, the willingness to basically help their country um, prosper, progress, you know, whether economically or or idealistically, you know, but again, obviously, like many other countries, there are also, again, some youngsters who just don't bother about it, Mm. right? So, I think I think we have to know that again. These Timorese people, obviously, based on their generational background and you know, based on their um, willingness to basically engage, yeah. I think obviously we can see that many Timorese youths will basically, you know, try to change the political landscape. But again, in terms of um, the the how basically the youth involvement in politics, I think again it's. It's, it's, I think it's quite early to say because, again, it's, it's just 20 years old. You know, It's just restored its independence two decades ago. You know, Basically, we, we saw old, familiar faces, basically the candidates, the challengers who are basically related to the Timurian struggle against the Indonesian occupation. So, again, we have to know that for some people, well, the faces on the ballot papers were basically the people that they were familiar with. You know, I think it's, it's quite interesting and it's quite evidence, basically, uh, as to the uh, two leading candidates in the second round of the, the Timorese mm. election. You know, the, the then president, you know, um, Francisco Guterres Luolo and the challenger, Jose Ramos horta the Nobel Peace Prize winner. So, again, well, obviously, well, for many Timorese, those two people, uh, again, are very much influential, are still very much uh, popular in the country. But obviously, you know, uh, there were also many other candidates and basically many other challengers, you know, basically. But again, they did not uh, score as many polls as they would have wanted to basically mm-hmm. become the next president of the country. So, yeah, I think the generational gap is still there. But again, you know, more candidates, meaning that more people just want to take the top job, And they are, I think they're dedicated uh, to achieve that.
0: Hmm. Well, Randy, I want to wrap up our conversation going back to a very simple concept. Again, mm-hmm. right now, we're looking at Timor-Leste, such a democratic country. But going back to the buzzword or one of the popular buzzword is called the word democracy. Now, if we yes. look at some of the countries in Europe, democracy, it's a stake, you know, politically or socially. But meanwhile, if we look at the U.S. supposed to be the role model for this democratic system or capitalistic structure, now, from your perspective, how should we understand the word democracy today, not only from uh, uh, Timor-Leste, this country, but also, again, this might be abroad, but from this region of Southeast Asia, how should we understand the word democracy today?
1: Right. I think if we want to talk about Timor Leste, I mean, it's it's a very inspiring example because, you know, I, I remember basically reading the news reports on Jose Ramos Horta's inauguration last week. You know, basically his opponent, the then president, Luolo, basically embraced Ramos Horta. He didn't challenge the results. And he basically accepted his defeat. And I think that's, that's very inspiring. You know, that somehow gives you the idea that. Okay, we might be, we could be rivals in the election, but again, I admit that that I lost, and I just want you to take the lead, basically, to, you know, to to take the country forward. I think obviously the, you know, basically we didn't, see, you know, violence, you know, basically um, chaotic post-election results, just like what we saw in Indonesia back in 2019. I think it's, it's inspiring. I mean, how a young country, you know at how, how such a young country tries to build and rebuild itself mm. again it's, it's becoming a role model you know even if you look at the economic intelligence Unit's um, uh, democ- democracy index uh, in 2021 you know you saw that uh, it's basically the second most democratic country in southeast Asia and the fifth most democratic country in Asia mm. so again it's 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 an example for for us but again that's thats I think we should really take note of, of that. Mm. But in terms of of the wider region, well, you ask me about Southeast Asia, right? I think my impression is that it's not a it's not a homogeneous region. You know, it comprises it consists of eleven countries. Yes, some of them are more democratic than others. That's right. Some of them are ruled by one party state, as a one party state. You know, so I think it's it's really interesting to see how how the you know paradoxes are are at play here. So. Yeah, I think for, for Southeast Asia, me personally, as a Southeast Asian born and raised person, you know, I just hope that, well, the Southeast Asian democracy could basically play a bigger role mm. in trying to you know stimulate the, the conversation, you know, basically being part of the global discourse.
0: Well, Randy, I have to say that I couldn't agree with you more. And I think after uh, the leaders from ASEAN uh, met up with uh, the sitting U.S. President Joe Biden, and I hope... This concept of democracy will continue to be well-protected and well-preserved. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking and speaking to Randy Moyato, and Randy currently covers Indonesia and Timor-Leste for media outlets in the Asia-Pacific region, and back in 2022, he also covered this presidential election and profiled timor youth born after 1999 referendum and more. Randy, thank you so much for taking your time to join the show. It's been a pleasure of speaking to you, and we love to come, uh, keep in touch and have you back on the show as we continue to uh, discover more political and social changes within Timor-Leste, such a young and vibrant nation. Thank you, Randy.